morning, sister. How are you? Good morning, brother. How are you? Mm-hmm. Hello, hello. My name is Aquia Jemfi, founder of the British Blacklist, and it is my absolute pleasure to be speaking to an esteemed creative. Could you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Gary Crosby. I'm a jazz double bassist, and also I'm the artistic director of the New Civilization Orchestra, and also I'm chief administrator of the Tomorrow's Warriors, based at the South Bank Centre. I'm going to, no, I'm not, I won't say ashamed or embarrassed. I would say I'm a little bit like, oh, saddened, maybe a bit like disappointed that I didn't, I hadn't heard of you before, partly because I'm not necessarily a, a jazz aficionado. I don't know much about okay. it. I don't know if it's, I blame myself or this country, how we're taught about our legends and our icons and our musical and creative anybody. Our, the Black history is not taught properly. And definitely those who've made an impact. Yeah. Not, we're not made aware. I, of. I believe that's a little part of it as well. Yeah, that is a little part where our, our music, and especially the kind of music we're playing, is taught, yeah. or how it's appreciated. Then, you know, within the music press and so on and so forth, we accept that now as jazz musicians, and always have. You know, and my uncles and all my family members, even from the fifties, they too have accepted that this music we play as important as it is what it were as important as it is still has to take a second place or even a third place in the music world or the world of arts especially within the black community which is as you used the term earlier embarrassing that sometimes i think somebody of my age can use that term and feel a bit more comfortable i'm embarrassed about the amount of awareness this great music has in in my own community and my own uh, around my own people. I am embarrassed about it, yes. What is, I mean, and what is that? Because we know we know jazz is so important. We know it's so rooted fundamentally in our back, black spirit. Like, well, we're such a musical people that we make, and the way that jazz, yeah. I understand jazz to be such a emotional moment in time type of music, like you just, I could just do that and it's jazz or... The problem is, is it is no longer considered new music, even our music by some of my own some black musicians. And that's really because the way our, the alternatives to this music, I wouldn't say the alternatives in a negative way, I, it's not a war or anything, but the way the other musics have been promoted the last 30 to 40 years is really as what sent this art form to the edges. You know, and it's only those who are either informed or there's even an implication that it's only the intellectual listen to it. There's even that kind of negativity that is put with this music. Um, but I've seen many pop stars come and go with their billions and their millions and their fake uh, philosophies about how they're going to change the world. And the power of Duke Ellington lives on for over a hundred years. It still has an amazing effect, not just on us, but on people in the dance world, people in the TV commercials. This is latent financial benefit to our people and we can't see it. We've been presented with the quick and fast, the McDonald's of music at the moment is modern day R&B. We have our big stars, you know, one out of every 10 or 15 seems to go past the initial period of being a young person on the scene, makes a name for themselves, goes and makes some millions, then goes on and develops their career artistically, right? So at the age of 
mid-50s, that person is still developing and can still add things because you're still learning at that age. What's happened to a lot of black music is that once you reach late 30s and the grey hair, them start coming and suddenly could ting around your icon. Nobody's interested again. Yeah. You, I mean, you're pushed to the back of the queue. In terms of black music, the business side of black music does not see art form. It sees money and money only. I think of all music, you know, the whole industry is about money. And also because yes. I don't know if I can, I can boldly say that we don't own the way our music is distributed to the world. There are black owners of music record labels and things like that. How it's communicated to the world and what is sold to the world. That's even more embarrassing. Yeah, the fact is. that there are so many of them that yeah. have record companies and the name of somebody like Duke Ellington is so little known in the black community. So, how so did, they should be embarrassed. Why was Jazz your music of? I'm in my 60s, late 60s. Mm-hmm. And my uncle was Ernest Wrangling, a jazz guitarist from the reggae world. Most of the musicians, reggae musicians that I grew up around were alpha boys or boys who grew up listening to music of the 40s and the 50s. And that's how traditions are passed on through a group of people or um like-minded people is passed on through the elders to the younger players who then grow up and pass it on to another generation. That's how that art form will perfect itself. And the word perfection is necessary because what we're doing in art, apart from just entertaining people, we are feeding, I'd like to use the word soul, I don't mean it in the sense, in the religious sense, but we are feeding the human spirit when we play music. And it's something that we've been, that's been developing over the last 10,000 years. And we're supposed to keep developing. The last 40 years is that our music and art has been closely associated with entertainment and appealing to the young. But you were a young person. I listened to young music too. I did, yes, I did. did. But then, but somehow, jazz was your soul, and yeah, around about mid to late twenties, I I had children very young. Also, I was an electrical engineer. I was doing other things. I'd engage with things that pushed me, would make me go and study. That's the other beauty about this music. You are permanently studying until that last day when you can't breathe no more. So, what is your instrument of choice? I started on the trumpet, and um, yet again, my uncle warned me about trumpet, um, teething problems, and so on and so forth. So he said, learn a second instrument, double bass. What's the problem with, your, with trumpets and your teeth? Um, not everybody has the right teeth structure or the right mouth um, structure for it. And um, for some reason, he could see that I didn't. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was just being... Why did the bass appeal to you? Why like... the bass? I really don't know. According to him, it would be the easiest instrument to have as a second instrument. Okay. We were poor working class people. It's not like we can have piano lessons and things like that. Right. So I think that was part of it as well. And the fact that he possibly wanted a bass player. (laughs) That makes sense. Keeping it economical and in the family, it makes sense. So you played played with your your uncle? Funny enough, I didn't know. I didn't actually play with him until I was much older when I had my own band. And I then kind of went back into the the Jamaican jazz and the, the reggae side, the instrumental reggae side of music. Yeah. That's when we, we invited him over in 90, 
Oh, damn. Woo. A long time ago. 91, 92. Yeah. And that was really the first time, apart from practicing in my mother's basement, that's the first time that we actually worked on stage with some of these old school friends as well. It was fantastic. I'm so fascinated with you getting into jazz and playing the bass and discovering your talent and it's shaping you, like shaping like this is the path that I want to go down. And I, you said that you chose bass because it was a, maybe an easier instrument. But what is that relationship you have with the bass? What does it do? How do you speak to each other? See, I realised my role when playing the bass. I'm the bottom of the harmony. Right. Right. So whether or not I play my instrument or I play on the piano, through my uncles and other members of the elders, that you work out that the bass has a, a job. It has a role. Right. Apart from the instrument, the bass, it's also a part of the music. It's also the foundation of what, everything that comes above. So with all three, everything just collapses. Sometimes I like to rib other brothers, you know, who play music that we are earned things. But it's not that actually we're all, we're all working together. My job is to supply the bass note of the harmony. That's how music works. Give me some bassists that you're in awe of, that you aspired, or you you know, really influential bassists for you. Well, all of them, but the daddies are from my jazz side would be Ray Brown, Ron Carter, Jimmy Garrison, Israel Crosby's. And from the Caribbean side would be definitely Family Man, um, Lloyd Brevet, Brian Atkinson, um, Lloyd Parks, and so many others. And Ernest Wrangling. Okay. A lot of Jamaicans don't realise that he was also a very good bass player. So, okay, so bring it back to now. Can you describe your life right now in one word or a sentence? How's life going right now? Life is cool. At my age, you realise that there are ups and downs, ups and downs, and sometimes downs and downs. Four or five years ago, I came to quite a, a very testing experience, and I've actually come through it. I'd have to say life is good at the moment because other people either come through cripple from my experience or they become... An invalid, you know, I had a brain hemorrhage. And to to be where I am today, I should say everything's cool. That's amazing. And and I'm glad you made it through. That's all blessings. Can you tell us about your latest project, Jazz Jamaica All-Stars with Brinsley Ford, Catch a Fire, a Windrush Day celebration of Bob Marley. That's a big event. That's a big one. Well, we we actually started it, the Catch a Fire event, 2012 was possibly the first time we did it. So we have done it before. We've done it with 80 singers, 140 singers. That I might not be accurate on that. And then I think the last time we did it with 200-something singers. Wow. And this time we're going for 300 singers. What's your role in this? I, I was the artistic director. I uh, kind of came up with the, I suppose, the shape and then took it to um, the South Bank, the production company, the Tomorrow's Warriors. And then cap in hand to the great Brinsley Ford from Aswad, said, yeah, brother, you're ready for this. And he jumped in it. What was the inspiration for it? Because obviously you've got Windrush in there, you've got Bob Marley in there, you've got jazz in Jamaica. So what was the kind of seed that thought, yeah, this is the this needs to come together as a thing and deliver, and be delivered to the audience in this way? When we first done it, we saw the, the participation between the the choir and the band and the audience. For somebody to come in to watch it 
and that means even the musician who's playing, everything's happening. You know, all all your eyes, all your ears, wherever you look, movement is going on. People dancing, everybody I jump up and I and I sing, and so that was part of it. And obviously, to celebrate an important part of my history as Windrush. Why not use something that we've done already before? We know works. It's also close enough to Jamaican independence that we could kill three birds with one stone. So you say you've got 300 singers, you've got Brinsley Ford. Mm. What's the experience like? What can audiences expect from it? Well, an evening of great songs written by Marley, played by a wonderful, a wonderful orchestra, a 30-something piece orchestra. Mm. And um, in perfectly safe and welcoming surroundings, we're going to have a good time. Whenever we've done it before in these so-called sit-down places, you know our people. We're going to rock the rules. <laughs> but that's part of the fun as well. I love that about us. And I love us when we go into institutions like the South Bank or wherever, when we bring us into those spaces, we we change the vibe. What do you think that yes. is? Why, why, we how- are being invited. Yeah. We're, we're being invited. We are being invited into them. We're being invited, but we always take over. What is that about us? And as African, as Caribbean, as us, it's what we do. We know. You know, we, we know once that kakata, 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 that kind of rhythm that comes from the West Coast of Africa, that's throughout the African diaspora, and we've turned it into other types of music, samba, reggae, uh, the Cuban song, and all these sort of things. Uh, it controls popular music. We are the, the core of popular music. Of course, mixed in with English harmony, or sorry, I should have said church harmony, the harmony of Europe, but comes from our community. We are the ex- we are the best at, at that. But what we mustn't do is abuse that, what we've been given. You know, we've seen artists within some of our popular music associate themselves with um, thuggery and criminal activity. Right, that's not what black art is about. Black art is about lifting our people up. Because I'm from, so I'm a, I'm a seventies born. So I came up definitely through the the explosion of hip hop, and I've come through how hip hop has derived into grime, trap, all the all the iterations of it. And there's the storytelling narrative, and I I'm, I flip flop because I'm definitely I cannot deny that I've loved a bit of thuggery. I can't pretend that I don't. In I love a bit of dancehall. That's a bit more risque than pure reggae and, and yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So there's, we are orators. We do tell stories. We do tell our life through our stories. So where's the fine line between truth telling of our pain versus commercializing it and, and manipulating? I think, it, I, th- I think the fine line comes with elders like me having to, to criticize the young people, not because I want to. Okay. That's my job. Just like my dad said, you know, when he came in and he heard me listening to Augustus Pablo, oh, I'm bugger yeah, listen. <laughs> All right? That's our role, to ensure that the young people coming up learn the proper way. But also the other thing is, as you grow older as an individual and you have your own children, some of that language you realise can be detrimental or is negative. But it's no different from when we was growing up and we were listening to... Max Romeo's Wet Dream or Prince Buster, tub up this, tub up that. You know, it's no different. What I feel the difference today is that the commercial world almost takes pleasure in showing that side of our community. And the other side, those who 
can sing more than one octave, those who can sing, actually, or those who can express something that's not about how bad you are or how good you are, but something about compassion and love. That side of our community gets left because even those of us uh, who own our own record companies, we don't have the depth of thought towards our people, as did the Motown guys, because those guys understood what Garvey and them were talking about. They understood. The new generation have missed part of their reading. So you hear some of these um, so-called, as you say, positive people doing hip-hop and raga, and you do not hear any references to Garvey or Fanon or the and those are the ones that made us aware hundreds hundreds of years ago what was coming. All that you see today happening in the USA and happening in Europe, there was a Jamaican guy that said, This is what coming unless you get your house in order. Right? You cannot be just running around. And I do hear you on some positive stuff that's happening in those music. But I have to say to my ear, 99% of it is jigaboo. Yeah, I hear that. It is modern day jigaboo. That's what it is. It's not art form at all. The names of this music changes every five years. So it goes from rap to hip hop to jungle to jaga, jaga, and all it's doing is just confusing the world with the power of this African art form. So the spokesmen and the spokespeople for this music need to educate themselves about our music first before they even open their friggin' mouths. Seriously. If they don't know about Duke Ellington, they should go and learn. You know, if you don't know about Louis Armstrong, you should go and learn because these are, this is the basis of your art form and your culture. And the only way you get better is through information. You pass it on to the youngers so they're not starting at square one, they're starting at square one and a half. And that's how it goes. Every other culture follows that path. For some reason, someone who can do it some other way, i.e. through, we are owed this. Nobody gives a damn what you're owed. You know, and it's been proven many and many a time before. You know, I... Somebody as great as James Brown ended up broke and, in, you know, after coming out of prison. James Brown. Jesus Christ, man. What's the matter with you people? These are your heroes. These are your heroes. Throughout the world, we couldn't have got enough money together to make ensure that something like that doesn't happen to our heroes. You know, I don't want to get too political, but I know within other communities, they will sort that out. Yeah? You know it. Some millionaires will get together and start some big campaign, and that can, and most of that money is going to that same guy. Somehow, that side of how we develop ourselves as a people was taken away from us, I believe, in the 30s and 40s with this incredible desire to be accepted. It's incredible. So you give up all of your own your ownership that you have. You know what I mean? So I'm reading about black towns 200 years ago in America, black towns, black industry. You've given it all up because, I don't know, I don't know. Oh. You believe that the other five pound coming from somewhere else is more valuable than the five pound coming from yourselves. Black skins, white masks. Yeah. You know, I advise everybody to read that book and read it and feel embarrassed because it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt all of us. But you have to read that book. 
I have no time for anybody that says they're part of black this, black that, black that. And I asked them and they haven't read that book because that book puts it into perspective. But what has developed amongst the, our people and has been in, reinforced through education is an inferiority complex. The actual belief that you can do it. Whatever you see man is doing, man can do. If man can put man pan earth, pan, pan the moon, then man can put man on the moon. That's it. You know, be that confident because, you know, we've seen it in India. I think they have the highest number of satellites that supply the world with information, whether good or bad, I'm not saying that. And then the Chinese sent a whole mission to planet Mars and it came back. But we can dance. I hear you deeply. I hear you so deeply. Just just on um, back to the, the show, what was kind of difficult pulling this project together this time around and how did you resolve it? Um, I don't think there was any problems putting it together this time because, as I say, we've done it before. We, we have experience doing it. Uh, also, you know, both me and my partner from the Tomorrow's Warriors, uh, Janine, I- Janine Irons, who's the, the boss, really. I call her my partner, but she's the boss. These people haven't come to ramp, you know what I mean? They've been doing it for like 20 odd years now. They're not looking for accolades or any, well, they are, of course, you're always looking for accolades. But the most important thing to the company at the moment is do it as good as you can, give it 100%. The one problem we did have is one of our friends who, I don't think he actually has done this performance before. He died like less than a year ago that still weighs on us you know that we've lost the great Noel McCoy of course I didn't know he was involved he hasn't done it before but I believe if he was alive we would have involved him somehow because we've been working a lot with him the last 12 years in fact um one of the 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 people who was putting the show together said you know she had a little cry about it because every time we mention Brinsley we think about Noel you know because the two of them work so well together Anyway, the positive side of the evening is a celebration of of Windrush, which changed this country and changed Europe for the good. And also the celebration of one of the greatest albums ever made, Catch a Fire. And a few weeks later, Jamaica Independence again, you know. So um, we're just trying to put everything in one bag. Can you tell me about what what New Civilization Orchestra is and Tomorrow's Warriors? What are they and... Tomorrow's Warriors is the is the training program right. for curious young musicians right. who want to learn this music. And I suppose that's the beginning, the entry point of joining the Tomorrow's Warriors. And the, the end point must be the NCO. That's right. where the after guys who have been around us for 10, 15 years and have the skills, technical and social skills, to be able to help us create a band that is also a working environment that can employ people. You know, it's pointless learning anything if there's no out, outlet for it. Sure. You know, there must be an outlet for it. You know what I mean? Your musical director is Peter Edwards. So I met Peter because I was part of the um, Jonas Guangua Music Composition Initiative. So I work with the Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah the fantastic yeah. guy. Yeah, really good. So how did you find him and how did you meet him and why was he the right guy to be a part um, of you know? Peter came to us about when he was 15, 16. So yeah, yeah. it almost feels like I've known him forever. Yeah. He came in and I am from kind of Southwest London, sound system. I, I'm in this, right? The Yaga Yaga, the whole thing. I love it. I love it, right? But 
we have to be realistic, you know, without education or without high level education, um, there are certain things that you just can't do. So you need people like Peter. You know, I think he's, he speaks languages. He's you know he's a great mathematician. He's a high level. The identity of our our people. We have to tell the rest of the world that apart from the yaga yaga with the, with the microphone and pants are dropped down, we also can wear good suit and we also know how to control ourselves in certain environments and you know with manners and you know th- these sort of things. And he represents something that I could. I used to dream about growing up to be, you know what I mean? Um, the way he does his ties, the way he holds his glass of wine. I used to think, yeah, man, we could have you that, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, obviously not because of, um, and I'm glad where I'm at, but I also want to be around people like Peter and... Peter. I would say that people like Peter and the like also need... The cello, the celloist is in that in that bag too. What's his name? Cano. Cano Mason. Yeah, kind of Mason. Well, we need the Yaga Yaga too, because that's us. So when you're removed from that, of it, course, I'm not course, saying that they're not. But we need to... That, that's no, to, 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 create like that. yeah, to create yeah, the balance. To create the balance, yeah. And we know that the, the actual feeling and the the interest that the rest of the world shows in us is the Yaga Yaga that want, and want to understand that. But also, me and you directly know that the Yaga Yaga, if it's not controlled, can be self-destructive. I understand that too. I've been there. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah I, I know. What's your cut? Do you have a plan B at this stage? Do you have a plan B? Nah, 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 nah. nah. Plan <laughs> yeah. B is plan A. Um, my dad used to say, "God forbid it." After the brain hemorrhage, I was just like, "Everything is fun now." You know, I'm just enjoying the ride. You know what I mean? What's made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Well, obviously. The interview has made me glad. Uh, the, uh, India has given me three interviews. I mean, I'll get lots of interviews. Sorry, not that. I'm not trying to be boastful. But when, when I switch on the phone and I see one of somebody like me looking at me, and I can just instantly feel, and as I say, I come off of one of those states, right? Um, we never used to glamorize the bad boy, we never, especially if you had family. It was always those that lived on the edge of the estates or those that were coming on the estates to okay. either get them something. They were the ones that created that tension and those troubles. And um, I'm just glad to hear so many younger black people the last five years beginning to say, stop a minute, let's strategize. Let's stop burning the place down, right? Because the only place we're burning down we live in those areas. Mm-hmm. So why are you burning down your own areas? Why don't you go down to Weybridge? Why don't you go down to the fancy areas? Why are you got bond on their place? Mm-hmm. What kind of foolishness is that? Now I'm beginning to get more educated blacks from the middle class who are beginning to identify themselves as black people. That is a good thing. And they don't feel uncomfortable coming amongst us and sharing their skills because all of us have to work together to take us to the next situation you know if we want to see somebody like us sitting in the houses of parliament we've got to work on it you know what i mean yet again more embarrassment look how long we've been here i know right i know all right what are you watching right now you know what i am a, a duke ellington freak everything is duke ellington spare time but i'm also i'm watching some stuff about the great wayne shorter okay who died last month an american musician 
and I'm doing a performance for him in July at the Pizza Express. So I'm just focusing on that. Okay. And obviously the performance coming up oh, on the 22nd. Are you, do you have time yeah. to read anything? Are you reading anything right now? No, you know, the, the one thing I am embarrassed about, I haven't read, fully read anything for a good, well over 10 years. What's your favourite book? I, I, my favourite book is Black Skin's White Mask. Okay, yeah, I'm going to put that in. And the philosophy, and philosophy and the, I, would, I wouldn't say The Philosophy of Opinions is my favourite book, but it's a book that had a big influence on me. You know, it's a hard book to read, actually. It's not, it's not really a book. It's a collection of letters and things. Okay. But Black Skin, White Mask is, is, is the book I, I keep coming back to. So you say you're listening to Duke Ellington. Have you got a particular... What's your go-to Duke Ellington song? The Queen's Suite. Okay. It was a suite he wrote for the, for the Queen of England. And um, right, we've had the opportunity to play it twice. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the opportunity to play it for her, but um, it's almost like a romantic letter he sent to the Queen because he wouldn't let anybody hear it until he died. Oh. There's all this kind of secrecy. He paid for it and just only had two copies, one for the Queen, one for himself. What's the last thing you saw? Mm. In what, when's the last? You've been to the theatre or you've been to a concert or something? Um, last time you went. I saw something at Shepherd's Bush, three young black girls just finished their exams. It was a play at Shepherd's Bush. Um... Was it with Bookie Bakray? Oh. Who? With Bookie Bakray, the young actress. Yeah, was... it might have been. Yeah, yeah, I think I know. Um, oh, it was just now that you just seen it recently. Sleepover. Sleepover, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I really <laughs> did. I, I thought it was fantastic. My nephew is a playwright as well. Who's your nephew? So, um, Roy Williams. Roy is Williams. Is he my nephew? No, no, he's my cousin. What me I talk about? I, I didn't know you were related. I didn't know you were related to Roy Williams. Okay, that's lovely. Ooh. Yes, man. Roy's father and my father is first cousins. Oh, I love. We love Roy. I've spoken to Roy a few times. I love Roy, man. Yeah, yeah. Roy, Roy's a good. Is good people, and, yeah, he, and he's he's genuine too, right? His daddy is. Yeah, his daddy is one of them. Yeah. All right. What's on What's on your bucket list? Anything on your bucket list you want to tick off? Oh yeah, there's a a place in Jamaica called Rasta Village, and uh, my bucket list is to go and spend a couple months up there as part of my rehabilitation. Uh, these are our friends. They've turned this what used to be just a place where man a man can just go up and reason amongst himself it's now a tourist attraction and it's also i shouldn't have said tourist attraction although it is it's a health resort right 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 where you can go and get ital food uh, i've seen bob andy before he died went up there for a little while mm. and um yeah rasta village in I, I can't remember it might have changed its name to something more official but we've always called it rasta village okay. run, run by some wonderful Rasta people. That's my bucket list. Three to six months just with them. Where's your happy place? Where are you most happy? Like, what? where are you just, like, at your most peaceful and happiest? In a jazz club, a small jazz club. I'm really into the small jazz clubs. But I also like places like Jazz Cafe and, you know, places that some of our people... But to be honest, I'm always happiest in... Janine's sister has a house in Montego Bay. And whenever I get there, that's just like, you know, all the ideas come and it's secure and it's 
idyllic. It's very, very pretty. The only thing is that they've opened a few hotels across on the bay so that it's literally constant boom, boom, boom all night. So I have to use um, Bluetooth now to cut it out. You know what I mean? But, um, that's happy but that's where I'm generally happiest. Yeah. Uh, who, who, who do you celebrate right now? Who are you really, who's doing some stuff that's impressing you right now? Ellington comes first. As my dad would say, um, the rest is one bugger noise pretending, but oh. Ellington holds it. Amongst the younger players, Ravi Coltrane, uh, I kind of like John Coltrane's son a lot, but yeah. Ellington in the morning, then maybe in the afternoon, I might listen to Ellington, and then in the evening, I might give it a rest and listen to more Ellington. Apart from Coltrane, Coltrane and Ellington are my okay. top two. For yourself, make us proud of you. Like, what are you really proud of that you've achieved so far? I suppose the last two years, the kind of um, press around the Tomorrow's Warriors or the young jazz players from South London that have come through the company, that's what I'm most proud of. Because I had this dream 30 years ago in Jamaica, leaving Jamaica on the plane, thinking, yes, that's what I need to do. And to actually see the result, yeah. Uh, you know, um, it's, you know, yeah. Actually, yeah, the NCO and the the Jazz Jamaica All-Stars, to see the level they've reached and supplying some some of the youngsters that I... Some people that I knew couldn't even play when I first met them Definitely. are now leading the bands. They're now telling me at rehearsal, no, don't play that, play this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, you know, they're employing me. You know, for my kind of politics and what I read as a teenager, that was the result my community want, that we we pass on knowledge and that knowledge is used by a next generation to push up uh, people. Um, whose footsteps are you following in? Oh, Sonny Bradshaw, a Jamaican band leader of the 50s. Big shoes to fill, but I'm still following, you know what I mean? Sonny, Leslie Thompson, and quite a few of the elder elder Jamaicans pre-First World War have this dream about lifting our people up through music, through art. You know, sometimes they use language that might be misunderstood if I used it here, but they were trying to lift our people up. Yeah. And um, those are the people. Leslie Thompson, Sonny Bradshaw, the old guy who just died four years ago in England from Jamaica, bass player. Coolridge, good. There's a couple others too. Monty Alexander, Ernest Franklin, and these people. Cedric Brooks, definitely, yeah. Mr. Cosby, it's been amazing speaking to you. I'm glad I know who you are now, because I'm going to investigate even more. Yeah, man, feel free. Come in anytime, man. Yes, Seriously. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's great work that all of you are doing, you know, keep informing our community about I was going to say important things. It is important. important. Windrush Day is important. And so is Bob Marley. Bob Marley is important. Yeah. Yeah.